JD Talking Sports. It is Tuesday, August 18th, 2020. I just freaking blanked on what it was. My perfect push-ups came in today. Michigan sent it to me. I'll tell you, I got, I, I've had these videos forever, these fitness videos, and I decided to go through one of the BOSU. I must have, I, I said my goal was to write a new workout every day. Well, I've blown that out of the water now. Now I've been doing, I got a ton of stuff now. And I have to implement them into my workouts, which I've been doing, which is good. But I did a six-minute ab routine with somebody I saw on Instagram. And uh, it was a nice little thing. I wonder how I'll feel tomorrow. I got my BOSU. So I'm playing around with stuff. The perfect push-up. I watched a documentary today, Imperfect, the Roy Halladay story. From a young age, his father was a commercial pilot. And he they grew up in Colorado. And he wanted a house with a big basement because he if the winter's... He wanted his son to be able to throw during the winters. And he was self-motivated. He, every day he'd practice his pitching. Every freaking day. It led him to be drafted first round by the Blue Jays at the age of 18. Three years later, he's in the majors with the Blue Jays. And he has a 10 ERA, over 10 ERA that first year. Gets sent down to the minors. And basically, you know, you know, he, he was a natural. And he changed his pitching delivery and everything. Came in. And from 2002 to 2011, he was the winningest pitcher in baseball and also the most complete games, dominant. He pitched a perfect game in 2009. He also pitched a no-hitter in a playoff game, never won a title. But he was pitching, I think, I forget what year it was, and he felt a pop in his back. It ends up he got addicted to opioids, and he was trying to pitch through it all. I mean, I remember reading about his workouts. They were highly, he was a very hard worker. And... You know, his wife says she hates the word perfect. She hates it because he was so how hard he was, how hard that everybody else was, was he was even harder on himself. He said he set a standard for himself that was just so high. And man, it's he the wife, his wife said that he lost three inches due to the compression of his of his spine. And he ends up he was a pilot. He actually had over 700 hours and his last flight was 17 minutes. He crashes in five feet of water. And this was a guy over six feet. He had a Icon A5, which was like, a, he called it like a sports car uh, on the, in the air. And he said he felt like he was a fighter pilot. With his wife, he, was, he flew under a bridge in Tampa. And there was a whole thing at the last, the last flight he had. He said he was going to go drop the plane off where he kept it. And he went west to the Gulf of Mexico. Is that what he said? The, the Gulf Coast? And he was might have been doing daredevil uh, uh, tricks with his plane, flying erratically. They found amphetamines, a bunch of other to uh, the toxicology, toxicology report in him. He had actually went six months before in front of the board that the and had not told them about the medication he was on. His wife thinks he might have he'd been in in and rehab twice. Once he went out left early because he was afraid someone had a camera and he wanted to come out that he was in rehab and he never finished and she thinks maybe then he just was still on might have never really conquered it he was an adrenaline junkie yeah brandy his wife gave his hall of fame acceptance speech in 2019 said it wasn't her speech to give all the work he did and he wasn't able to give the speech he was his wife said what she wanted this documentary was that it was that's if, if it if it if it helped one person then she said it's done its job 
It was a very, it was very sad. She, his brother, his son got drafted into the majors. I'm pretty sure. I remember him got getting drafted. He was a pitcher. He he was coach of a high school baseball team that his son was on, and they went 30 0. They won a state championship. He won a state championship in high school. Roy Halladay never won in the pros, but got to the playoffs finally. Yeah, and he only had that that icon A5 for 35 days. His dad said, you know, be careful with the plane. He goes, I'm being careful, Dad. Some people, some doctors felt he was impaired. His son said, well, what do I need to know what happened? You know, I, I, what, what do I get out of it? And he had a point. Oh, they said, uh, and now, now there's this whole thing. Fernando Tatis hit a home run on the 3-0 pitch, and he was supposed to take it, but he hit it. And then Juan Soto, uh, breaking baseball's unwritten rules, they said, isn't it great? You know, they talked about, you know, Juan Batista's, Jose Batista's home uh, home run and bat flip in the 2015 playoffs was the zenith of baseball's culture wars and play the game the right way, zealots. Ken Griffey Jr. had one, let the kids play. So Monday night, you had, so F- Fernando Tatis swung at a 3-0 pitch for the 10-3 lead, belted a grand slam. Tatis had missed the take sign, but the Rangers cleared it in like the swing with the Padres holding such a big lead. Ian Gibalt, a pitcher with all of 24 career innings, replaced Nicasio. Juan Nicasio gave the the grand slam to Tatis and threw his first pitch behind Manny Machado. Rangers manager Chris Woodward said I didn't like it personally, but like I said, the norms are being challenged on a daily basis. So just because I don't like it doesn't mean, I mean, guys, really? And he ended up getting suspended now, Gabalt, and I saw, and I was like, but then they said Tatis didn't get it. I'm like, really? So Heat won. They're 8-0 in first round winning game one in a seven-game series. They beat. The Pacers won 13-1. Victor Oladipo got hurt. I don't know what's happening with him, so we'll see. Hopefully he's going to be okay and he come back from this. And then Juan Soto clubbed a 40-45 ninth-inning home run off Braves reliever Will Smith to give the Nationals a 6-3 lead. He admired his home run for a second or two, certainly not as long as he admired some of his other blasts. And Smirk, Smith then, you know, swore at him, which only led to an even slower trot around the bases. <laughs> Dave Martinez defended him, said, Will Smith said something to Soto that I didn't really appreciate, so I just want to let him know, hey, it wasn't Juan who threw the ball. His job is to hit, so just be quiet and get on the mound. You threw the pitch, make a better pitch. And in 12 games, freaking Soto has seven home runs. And also, his manager called him out. Tatis' manager said, hey, you know, he wasn't supposed to swing at the pitch and all this crap. And I'm like, guys, you have young, talented player. Tatis just hit his 11th home run of the season. I mean, these are great players. You know, there's... And former Astros pitcher Colin McHugh had a tweet. He said, I've been in this game since I was a kid. He goes, he goes, I've been in this game. And a good tweet, he said, swinging in a 3-0 count should not be against any rules, no matter the score. Before a game, I would always look to see what percentage a guy swings 3-0. If it's over 20%, it means I can't just groove one. The guys who will never give you a pitch at the plate are the toughest at bats. And he said, it's this data-driven baseball age. There's nowhere to hide. If you have a tendency, it's going to be exploited. Swinging 3-0 to me is the same as swinging the first pitch of it at bat. If you do it enough times, a pitcher can't game plan as well against you. You know, Tati said after the game, I've been in this game since I was a kid. I know a lot of the rules. I was kind of lost on this. Those experiences you have to learn. Probably next time, I'll take a pitch. In 2019, players swung at a 3-0 pitch 11.1% of the time. go through all these stats Ron Darling 
said, I'm old enough and I grew up in the game that a lot of older guys had all the power and they would tell you how to act, what to do, and he did what they told you to do because that's how it was. Unwritten rules only work if everyone knows the unwritten rules. By their very definition, nobody knows an unwritten rule. So what you have now is you're trying to make a decision that a 3-0 count in a 7-run game is off limits. I'm just not with that all. With that at all. Good. Yeah, if you would have hit it on first pitch at 2-0, but because it's 3-0, it affects the integrity It's the integrity of the game. Did, did you hurt the pitcher's feelings? Right, exactly. ESP, this isn't Little League, folks. You know, I, that's what I think. You know, you can't say anything. You got to use, you know, people have pronouns they have to use and all this stuff. You have to talk to everybody the right way and all this stuff. And I will say something. The Hornets radio guy was talking about the game. Instead of saying nuggets, he used the N-word in a tweet. That, to me, is a fucking moron. That's, okay, that I understand. I don't understand how the nuggets go from nuggets to the N-word. That is, that's stupid. But this stuff, really? So, you have to take the pedal off? You remember the Pats were up 20, were down 28-3 to the freaking Falcons in the Super Bowl. So, should the Falcons have taken a, you know, they're up 23, take it easy? No, you always have to keep it going. You never know if a team gets hot in an inning and they can win the game. So, I don't think you ever turn it off. And, and his manager, you know, call, saying, oh, he didn't take the... Fuck that. Dude, this is the kind of guy you want. You know, you have he, him with 11 home runs. Mike Trout has 10 home runs. I mean, you've got Juan Soto who came back. I mean, this he got some damn good players. Reggie Jackson said, and this is great, Fernando Tatis, keep playing hard and playing great. It's a pleasure to watch you play. Love your success and the Padres rise to be a winner. Keep leading the way. It ain't easy to hit home runs. Keep bringing energy you have to the game. We need players like you, an all-star. And this was the thing, too. So his manager was his first game back. He had coached with the, with the Rangers. And, you know, it was his first game back and everything. And he didn't want to show up. Dude, this isn't about you. I'm sorry. You're the manager and your first game back in Texas and everything. But you win the game, but you have to win a game a certain way. It's 3-0 count. And he didn't see it. He hit the pitch. It was a good pitch to hit. So he should have let it gone by. No. Let him play. Let him do what they're doing. Bullshit. It, you know what? We can't, we can't be we can't be this way. We we gotta gotta have a little backbone. We gotta show we're a little tough. We can deal with things, right? I think so. It's a little ridiculous. And Unicorn got two. Porzingis got two tees last night. The first one because he threw an air punch at the official resentment of a foul call. That was he got all ball. He got all ball in that freaking play. So that's bullshit. I think it was on Kawhi Leonard. And then the second one, he was he, he, something started with Luka Doncic. And Marcus Morris, he got into it, and he pushed him out of the way. Light punch, light, light push, but two, done. And everybody's going crazy. Can we let these guys play? And I'm sorry, I can't do a fist punch in the air. An air punch is to resentment on a call that the, that the ref screwed up. That should be enough to say, okay, end of story, move on. It's bullshit. I, I'm not a fan of it. And he shouldn't have got thrown out. He said he learned from it, but hey, he's got to defend his teammate. I'm all for it. Good for him. Stand up. And the NBA is canceled. Hotel contracts in Indy for the All-Star Weekend next year. Yeah, so it's not happening. And Gordon Hayward now had, he got went off with crutches last night. He has a grade three sprain of his right ankle, suffering game one win over the Sixers. He shot at 12 points on 5 of 13, shooting four rebounds, three assists, four steals, 34 minutes. He was trying to box out Sixers star Joel Embiid, and then he felt weird. Oh, the way he went down, he was like, ah. It's thank God it's opposite the one that he suffered a gruesome leg in, leg and ankle injury in the opening minutes of the first game back in 2017. He missed the rest of the season, and he has a player option on his contract for next season. Well, they're going to be out without him for four weeks now, but that's going to hurt them. You know, 
he's kind of does 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 everything. But we'll see how that works out. Four weeks, it's a lot of time. And that series, all these series, like the Bucks lost today, guys. Let's let's take it down a notch. Orlando played out of their mind. It's a seven game series. They have to win all the games. There's really no home court advantage. The Bucks will come back, but the Bucks haven't looked good in the bubble since since they started. And the season the season ending when it did hurt them. The Lakers have looked up and down, and they're going against a very hot team tonight with the Trailblazers. I don't think Trailblazers can beat them, but Lillard could get hot today, and McCullough could get hot. Anything's possible. Kawhi at 29 last night in the Clips win over the Mavs. And Doncic, freaking 42, most points ever for a guy. No, no guy scored 40 points or more in his first playoff game ever. Unbelievable. And Dallas was up five at the time of the ejection. So, you know, but the Clips hang on. They win the game. Kawhi at 29. We'll see how that works out. But And, and the game today, I was just watching the end. Of, I, so I watched the Bucks game. I saw the end of the Heat game and... Freaking Jimmy Butler hadn't made any freaking threes since March. Hit two. Oladipo got hurt. That's but it's a seven game series, and I told you the stat that they haven't lost when they win game one of a seven game series. Eight and zero. See how that works up long term. The Mets. Now David Peterson. I saw that they won last night. Cano hit two home runs last night. Pete Alonso hit two two home runs last night, and David Peterson going on the injured list with what they're classifying as a shoulder a shoulder fatigue. His felt that following his most recent start, then Corey Oswalt has recalled to make the start for the team. And Peterson, man, freaking playing great. 332 ERA, winning three of his first four career starts. Struck out 17 against eight walks. Has allowed two home runs in his four starts. Best Second best pitcher behind DeGrom. He only went five innings and threw 74 pitches in his last outing. And was feeling a little bit of shoulder fatigue. Yeah. And Oswalt is... He's only thrown 2.2 innings in the major league and has allowed a grand total of 14 home runs on 16 hits. Oh, Markakis tested negative for the coronavirus after potential exposure placed on IL as precaution. If he's negative, why does he get put on the IL? Tested negative. I don't know. And, and the Mets recalled Drew Smith and optioned Frank Colomi to the alternate side. He made seven relief outings. His first season is recovering from Tommy John. So they're bringing guys up. They're hurting for pitching. They're 10 and 14. They got the win. The Mets starters now sp spot a 5.54 ERA. They took out Gaselman because he wasn't pitching well last night. One and two third innings. Jason Shreve pitched well last night. Robinson Cano now has the most multi-home run games as a second baseman in Major League Baseball history. He's tied with Ryan Sandberg with 24. Some good company. Cano and Alonzo. And Alonzo has, he has tied with Christian Yelich since last year. Most games reaching base five times. So they won, they beat the Marlins 11-4 last night. That's good. Really don't have any pitching right now. It's DeGrom and no one else. I don't know how, they, hey, if they score 11 runs, if the, if the hitters get in, they can be in slugfest every game. I guess we'll see how that works out. The Yankees won yesterday 6-3. Four-game sweep of the freaking Sox. Red Sox are 0-7 against the Yankees this season and have been outscored 50-23. to Yankees in a row won 10 straight. The longest streak they had was back in, they've won 12 in a row, which happened in 36 and 52-53 seasons. And they have three more games at Fenway Park. 
Sox are six and seventeen. Most losses in Major League Baseball. Yankees fifteen to one in the last sixteen against the Sox. Did you see Chapman? You see Chapman warming up and everything. Chapman looks like a freaking bodybuilder. He recorded the final three outs in a non-save situation and gave up a run, but pushed the speed guns to 100 with four pitches and 101 with two. So the Yankees now also Voigt hit a home run. I think he hit two yesterday. 18 straight games in the stadium, which they've homered. So, so yeah, he hit two, and uh, Tyro Estrada hit a home run. Hicks homer two, so four home runs. Yankees are two and a half up on the Rays, who come to the Bronx tonight. Unbelievable. Crazy. 7-0 and against them. Yeah, and I, I don't like Tatis's manager. Congratulated. But uh, uh, Tingler was quick to tell him that he missed a take sign. He's young, a free spirit, and focused, and all those things. They said, that's unrenewable. You don't call out your players. That's the last thing that will ever take away. It's a learning opportunity, and that's it. We'll, we'll grow from it. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. Jace Tingler. Yeah, I'm just like, shut the fuck up. You know what, dude? So, Gabot, Gabot got three games. One for Woodward, the manager. Should for throwing behind afterwards. Listen, so they hit a home run on 3-0 pitch. So you have to throw behind somebody? Come on, get over yourself. Get over yourself. Ridiculous. And Denzel Mims of the Jets. Listen, you know what? I know I know nothing's really gone. We got Hard Knocks tonight. I'm Contender Series on UFC. I'm going to watch some of that tonight. I'm Schwitzen. Had a steak today for breakfast, but Mims is going to be week to week with a hamstring injury. And undrafted wideout Jeff Smith, he's out of BC, played a little QB while, while he was there, spent the bulk of last season in the practice squad. They played one game last season, suffered a season injury. Transitioned from quarterback to receiver after a freshman year at BC. And he's, Gay said he's really come, kind of coming to his, into his own at this position, at the position. A former quarterback that played receiver when he came out as an undrafted guy. Watch him now. He's got a good feel for what's going on. He understands a lot of things that a lot of guys don't. Hey, you never know. One of these guys become – listen, freaking – what's his name? Oh, my God. Thinking of I – see, I see his face. Number 80 on the Jets. Oh. Corbett. Corbett was sleeping on someone's couch, and he, they said he can rent the place now. And he came out at a Hofstra. wasn't a guy that was – and he ended up playing 10 years in the league. He, he made a lot of tough catches. You never know. One guy stands up. Now, Mickey Becton reported at camp 376 pounds above his combine weight. He goes, I definitely want to get lower after the draft. He said his ideal weight is 350, 355. Hey, they never know offseason. Yeah, I mean, he's going to have to drop some weight, 370. I mean, Jesus, he's a big boy. And, you know, they're saying that Le'Veon Bell's going to have to be the workhorse, you know, because even though Frank Gore's a lot left in tank, that's what he's going to have to do. They're, they don't have a lot of receivers. They don't have a lot of – if 7-11 comes along, but we're going to see how this all works out. And also, Jets didn't sack the quarterback a lot, 35 times last year, including 6.5 from ex-Jet Jamal Adams, good for 23rd in the league. They were only able to get a sack on just 6% of the opponent's dropbacks last year. You're not Quinn and Williams – from Alabama did not have a great year. Guys got to step up. You don't have CJ Mosley. I guess we're going to see how everything works out with them. See if Williamson, Avery, was out last year with a tore his knee in preseason. Is it Avery Williamson? 
he's got to step up this year. They're going to get rid of him. And then Mosley, and that was the end of that. And Gerald McCoy has injury in his quad. So he, they cut, they released him because he gets a $3 million signing bonus. But they had it was in his contract that if they had injury waiver on his quad, his contract, if he hurts his quad, which he did, they can cut him per source. He was scheduled to make $9 million in guarantees on his contract and had the chance to earn up to $6.35 million in cash this season. Well, now he's going to play somewhere else next year. So he's on a three-year, $18 million contract, had that in the contract, boom, they signed out of it. We'll see how that works out. And 10 NFL players on the reserve COVID list league-wide. There are 10 players. Only one player placed on the list in the last seven days remains on the list. Bengals wide receiver John Ross, who was home with his family, which is good. You know, it could have been higher, but that's I'm okay with that. The numbers are lower. Can't say the same for college football. <laughs> Notre Dame now is going virtual, too, for the next two weeks to try to curb it. And Alabama, they're still talking to fans. Like, guys, they said, you know, and, and the reason Notre Dame is, they said 80% were complying on campus, 20% were, and the 20% is going to screw everybody up. And that's the problem everywhere because there are a lot of people who are following the rules. I was in the elevator today. I'm coming into my, in, the, in the building, went for a run outside, and a girl runs in the elevator with me, no mask. She goes, I don't run with a mask. Well, put a fucking mask in your pocket. And when you come back in the building, you put your fucking mask on, and you go, but I, I, don't, I don't like wearing a mask either. I don't, I, I don't like to run with it, but I have it on. I took it on and off. When I got back on the streets, I kept it on because I'm too close to people. But to tell me you don't like wearing a mask because you can't run with the mask and then not wear one into the building and the elevator and everything, I'm sorry. It's, it's, it's just, that's why this is not going away anytime soon. And the 2021 NFL finalist, Tom Flores, finally, the first minority head coach to ever lead a team to a Super Bowl win, make that two. And Drew Pearson, a three-time All-Pro, Super Bowl champ, and the only member of the 1970s All-Decade team, not in the Hall of Fame. I don't know why it's taken so long, but we'll see how that works out. And I saw that, so Jalen Hurd tore, he was... 2019 draft, they took him out of, where the hell did they get him out of? Third round pick, but didn't play because of, of a, as a rookie because of a, where, where did Jalen Hurd play? And I wrote it down here. Damn, that pisses me off. Where'd he go, Baylor? Yes, he was Baylor, that's what I thought he was from. They're hoping he can come back next year. He was third round pick in 2019 draft, didn't play as a rookie because of a back injury. Now he's an ACL injury. Not good. They said he, when he appeared to get his right foot caught as he was running a route on a side field, his knee buckled and he went to the ground where he stayed for a few minutes before he was able to walk inside. Because it was a non-contact injury, the Niners were concerned it could be significant. They were going to ease him back in, and then this happens. So you got Debo Samuel, who hopefully can be back, but he has a Jones fracture in his foot. Backup Ricky James Jr. is dealing with a broken wrist, and veteran Travis Benjamin opted out for the season. They signed Tavon Austin and J.J. Nelson last week for depth. And it, oh, Oladipo got an eye injury. That's what happened. He got poked in the eye, and they were talking about Cormier because maybe he got his, his retina scratched or something. That's not good. Because, and he just was, he was playing well. That's why the series would have been tight if that would have happened. Freaking sucks. The Chiefs are saying... You know, I talked about the Chiefs yesterday, 22% capacity arrowhead. Bears will not have fans at Soldier Field until further notice. And Jordan Palmer, for a very interesting point, I read this on in Peter King's column, 
He said the O-line play across the board is going to be the worst we've ever seen. That's what he said. I think quarterbacks are going to be running for their lives at a rate that we've never seen before. He said this offseason. <laughs> Listen, the defense, they can do their workouts where they can do bursts, getting out of their stand. They can run. They can still run that hoop where they work on keeping their hips low and leaning. They can work on bending. They don't really lose anything this week. They had Andrew Whitworth on, as a guest on Sirius X1, and he was talking about how he's really good golfer. Online play is getting a lot more like golf, where it's very, very technical and muscle memory. So those guys not having an offseason, bad, bad. That's not good for them. They get this whole COVID thing, not get a chance, chance to work on things, not to work on you know full speed bull, uh, bull rush from the defense, not you know where your hands need to be. Dean Allen doesn't have to worry, worry, worry about that stuff. They're going to burn it for the lives. They were not dropped.